The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Mm, Every time I look at you, I don't understand why you let the things you did get so out of hand. You'd have managed better if you'd had a plan. No, why'd you choose such a backward time and such a strange land? If you'd come today, you could have reached the whole nation. This ruling for BC had no mass communication. Don't you get me wrong? 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 Found financial food for thought. Now, Carrie, you know why I'm playing this song? For Easter weekend? Yes. Blessed Easter to everyone. So we are taping this show on Wednesday morning due to the station's Easter break. Mm -hmm. But we did get a lot of data out. Not normally the data we have by Friday when we normally do the show. But we did get, you know, inflation. Welcome to Inflation Nation, Carrie. Oh, no. Yeah. It's, so, let's see if I can get No this kidding. Going. Go to the store. The U.S. is at its highest level of inflation in over four decades as prices on everyday consumer goods surged in March. That's right. The Labor Department says gasoline, housing, and food prices are the biggest contributors to last month's spike. According to the latest Consumer Price Index, inflation rose 1.2% in Ouch. March. That's an 8.5% increase at the same time and last year. <laughs> It is the fastest annual rate of inflation since December of 1981. The report reveals energy prices are a major contributor to the latest spike. Gasoline prices have climbed 48% in the past 12 months, while the cost of fuel oil has skyrocketed by more than 70%. According to the latest CBS News poll, 65% of Americans think the president could do more to combat the elevated cost of gas. The national average is down from its peak in March to roughly $4 per gallon. Let's bring in CBS News Senior White House and political correspondent Ed O'Keefe. So what is the White House's response? Let's start with inflation. Uh, Obviously, uh, this is the highest jump that the U.S. has seen in more than four decades. This is a major thorn in the side of the Biden administration. So what does the White House intend to do to try and combat these problems? Well, they say they've been doing everything they wrong. can I just in terms know. of working uh, through executive action to try to bring down the price, especially of gasoline. You've seen now uh, a few different steps taken, whether it's releasing millions of barrels of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve over 80 or 180 days, uh, or today's announcement that's designed to keep a cheaper alternative on the market through the summer months when normally the Biden administration was blocking its sale because of a higher emissions level. It's called E15 gasoline. You see this at only some gasoline stations across the country. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to see it And it's a blend of right. ethanol. makes up about 15% of the mix. The rest is gasoline. On average, it's about 10 cents cheaper. Okay. So the, the hope here is the president there we go. highlight. Look, yeah. here's another example of the things we're trying to do okay. through presidential action, through the federal government, to drive... Okay, what about everything else? <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's so that's the issue right now. You, you know, it's it, it's your pick. Which are you more concerned about, a recession or inflation or both? both. <laughs> Could it possibly be the worst case scenario where we have both? So right now, CNBC, Acorn survey poll, 81 percent of U.S. adults are worried about a recession. Okay, now we just recently got a Gallup survey, and the top concern, economic concern for U.S. is 17% responded inflation. 
it's, you know, now what I think this is saying is I think the Democrats have got to do something if they have mm-hmm. any, if Good they luck. think of any mm-hmm. chance in the midterm elections, because based on what's happening right now, do you think, Carrie, that the American voter is going to be more concerned about defunding the police or the defunding of their savings. I don't think people want, I don't know. I, I hear the headlines about defund police, but I don't think people, I mean, there's good and bad, co- but I think people want to be protected by police. I think people want them to address the economy and how that's impacting. Right. And I think, it, you know, it, it's, so we'll see. So we've been highlighting on this show. Now we've been talking about, the inflation ever since we first heard Chairman Powell talk about the transitory nature, which we now understand is not exactly transitory. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is financial food for thought. We've got Mark Dolly and Kara Waddell, and we'll, we'll continue to look at this and we'll talk about whichever you're more concerned about. Or if, Kara, your response, Mark, I'm concerned about both. How do you protect your family from the next economic downturn or higher embedded inflation than what you were previously assuming in your long-range financial plan? Well, and especially if you're thinking about retiring anytime soon, maybe you want to model in or account for in your planning a recession and higher inflation because one of our philosophy is plan for the worst, hope for the best, because in some cases... Um, you may not have to worry as much as you think you do, or it may be minor adjustments to the uh, to your plan. And um, that's one of the things that we do at the estate planning team. And as Mark said, you're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 between 9 and 10. We're a financial educational program, and we're talking about issues that can impact your financial life and hopefully making you aware of choices that you have and opportunities and potential problems. Um, You know, a lot of people come in and say, you don't know what you don't know. And we are sponsored by the estate planning team, which the estate planning team is an Ohio registered affordable fee-based fiduciary planning firm. And what we're known is for traditional financial planning number crunching and providing people with that objective un, um, unbiased analysis for the financial choices they face. And with the modeling, certainly people may, uh, you know, the universal, will, do I have enough? <clears throat> will I run out of money? And I think the tricky part is a lot of people have saved or they have these assets But when wages stop, how do you create the income you need tax efficiently? And our plans give people a step-by-step process and a plan so they know how how they need to raise the cash they need to for um, their income and expenses and address inflation and discretionary spending and how do you plan things tax efficiently in an IRA or company distribution plan and um, addressing other financial disruptors, certainly that can impact the longevity of your plan. But people know what they need to do to be okay. And if they're not going to be okay, you know, how do they adjust and where they need to cut back? Or are there opportunities where you're earmarking money if you're not using planning strategies that you're actually paying more in taxes because you're not aware of the opportunities, which um, actually is, happens more often than not. So it's about saving money as well as giving people clarity on what they can and can't do because oftentimes people don't spend because they don't know that long-term effect. We offer a free no-obligation consultation for people to see if they can benefit from our services. We actually can run some <clears throat> preliminary analysis if you'd like for that consultation. We offer those by phone or in person. Um, if you're listening this weekend, if you call um, and leave a message now, we'll give you a call back on Monday morning or you can email us through the website. And the website also has our podcast that we have other concepts and strategies we talk about or you can sign up for the newsletter. But take advantage of the free consultation. What we do is very different and unique and <clears throat> it is that traditional financial planning. I know people... I, every week um, I met with someone that were like, well, do you investments in that financial planning world? No, we don't do investments, but isn't it a better place to come? We have people you know, thinking about changing investment advisors, or maybe they did it themselves before, or maybe they want to continue to do it themselves. 
But isn't it better to first know before you jump and make a change because you're worried of knowing your number and what growth rate you need to make your money last? Yeah, Carrie, and I think one of the some some so some of the listeners may be falling through the cracks in that department, mm-hmm. Carrie, and, and I'm thinking of the the person out there who is still working doesn't have a lot of investments outside of their company plans, right? right? And so really the bulk of their investments, at least if they were thinking of hiring a professional investment advisor, you know, a lot of those professional investment advisors, they have minimums. They have account right. minimums, right? And or, or if they don't have an account, if, if it's a very low account minimum, you're paying a higher fee, you know, because it's, it's a graduated there's And it's got to be worth their time, right? So, and some just say, we, you're not for us if you don't have a certain amount. That's why a lot of times when you hear those people talking, they'll say, if you've got over 500000 right. saved, you know, yeah. call us, you know, that type of thing. So, but the people I'm referring to are falling through the cracks could be the ones that they're, they're, they're wondering if they can retire. Right. But they have, they know what they have, but they are also looking for help in a very volatile markets, but yet they're not really getting that help from their 401k people. And no. certainly they may be getting allocation you know, help from their 401k, whoever the right. company farmed it out to, but those people certainly are running them a financial plan. Now, and, and so th- th- that's really what's lacking. And yet, if they go out and they really can't go out, you know, a lot of professional investment advisors also say they will run you a financial plan, right? right? But they're not going to do that if you if you don't have a certain amount of assets and, under and management. Frankly, we have some clients that keep their company plans where they're at, right? But and they're fine making their choice because now we're filling in that right. gap that the, we're, we're we're running a financial plan, and so, so those people and and yet they can't turn over their 401k to the professional outside investment advisor because they're still contributing to the plan. Right. Right. And, and so mm-hmm. now, so, so that's, that's what I mean. That's, that's kind of a people I see. So we have a lot of clients who are falling through those cracks and they're finding us because they said, yeah, you're what I'm looking for. Meaning I need someone to help me start building a retirement, pre-retirement plan, if you want to call that. And I want to know with this higher inflation. And if we do have an economic downturn, right when I I'm ready to retire. Am I still going to be okay? And in the meantime, yeah, we're understanding what rate of return do they need to be okay? Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the big things that if you don't have a custom financial plan, do you even know what rate of return you need to make that plan last as long as you want it to last, right? So that's what the financial modeling can help you get in decision-making mode. So you have an idea, you know, is the robot coming back and saying, oh, do you need a 4% rate of return to be okay? Do you need an 8% return return to be okay? Mm -hmm. But whatever, it is, it's helping you in decision-making mode and it's going to help you decide, okay, that's going to help me decide how much risk I need to take on to be okay. Now, eventually you may retire and eventually you then have the opportunity of rolling out of that 401k into a, a an IRA that now can be managed by that outside investment advisor. And, 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 and usually that's their first recommendation, by the way. Usually right. if, if you go, if you walk into an invest, if you just retired and you, ha- and you still have all your money sitting in a 401k and you go interview investment advisors, I'm going to you know go out on a limb and say one of their first recommendations before they say anything else is, oh, you need to roll that 401k over to my IRA. Um, just but, test me but, on that. But it's you're... also okay if we don't care whether you roll it over or keep it there. Right. It, and, and that's the difference, too. Yeah. But again, if you're, it, it, it is an issue where um, if you're saying, yeah, I need professional help more so than what I'm getting from my 401k group, so right. to speak, especially if I'm going in retirement, yes, then that could be the pathway you're taking. But in the meantime, do you have a custom financial plan that's helping you make those retirement decisions? Right. And that can help with saving you money, you know, as tax, you know, um, saving you money in your taxes, watching those thresholds we've talked about on the show, and just gives you peace of mind and clarity that you know what needs to happen with your financial life and knowing that maybe you've addressed some of those worst case scenario, or maybe you don't need to worry and you're worried sick about it. Um, it just gives you, it, in many cases, it truly gives people peace of mind. And it's uh, uh, fun lately. I've had people where they're not spending enough. They come in and they've been, they're savers. They've come in to, oh, you know, getting ready to retire with no debt. And actually based on what they're spending, they 
can spend more. And that's, you know, they never thought they could. Um, But either way, take advantage of a free consultation. If we can't help you, we'll be honest. Leave a message on, um, and we'll get back to you on Monday. Or you can contact us through the website at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right. So you heard in the opening the 8.5% CPI handle year over year. So what's the trend? So that's what everybody is watching is the trend. All right. Is it getting worse? Is it getting better? So let's go back and look. And now that's the headline number. And we'll also look at the core number. Core came in year over year at 6.5%. Okay. But back to the headline number. All right, so what has it been? Okay, so March, it was 8.5%. February, it was 7.9%. January, it was 7.5%. December, it was 7%. November, it was 6. Do we see a trend? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that trend says it's not going down yet. It's getting consecutively mm. worse. Yeah. Okay? Now, but then you hear what the White House and what federal res- what the, the 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 central bankers are saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. but how's the month the month trend going? So we right. know year over year it still looks ugly. It's we're still peaking out, so to speak. But is there any light at the end of the tunnel on the month-to-month increases? So what has that trend be? So last November, it was 0.8%, you know, for, for that, for the month of November. Then in December, it dipped down to 0.5%. Right. That's when President Biden was taking victory laps, right? Oh, yeah. Because I think he, a little premature. And then in January, it ticked back up to 0.6%. Mm-hmm. Then in February, it ticked up to 0.8%. Okay. And what was March's number? 1.2%. That's a big jump. And that, my friends, is not good news for President Biden. And I think regardless of these numbers, if you go to the grocery store every week, I don't know. I've noticed every couple of weeks I'm getting the same things and paying more. And that's why we're saying a lot of early retirees or people in early recently retired is Bidenflation going to derail your retirement plan. That's what we have to get. Do you have a way to know? Um, Now. So what about core? Because core inflation backs out food and energy. Now, I know all the people scream about And also, Carrie, you'll hear all the right-wing talking heads who just want to do anything to make sure you vote Republican in November. You know, they'll be saying, oh, that 8.5% really is 15% or 17% because there's some you know, no, think tank number crunchers out there that somehow try to come up with a, they try to say it's not comparing apples and apples, the, how we calculate inflation today versus how we were doing it 40 years ago. And they try to look at, I, I don't know. I, I mean, really, I guess, I, I mean, whatever. If you want me, see, this is the beauty of our planning process, Carrie, because if you want me to assume 17% inflation forever, I can show you that. Mm-hmm. I think you'll be pretty disappointed or pretty discouraged, and I don't know if you really believe that we're going that inflation is seventeen percent right now, even though some think tank says that's how what they calculate it to be. I don't know. You, you know, it's up to you. But, but the other about the core inflation is why they back out food and energy is because because they're volatile that it would it, it it disrupts the numbers. In other words, if by any chance gasoline, let's say Biden's plans to lower the gas at the pump work. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I know gas is down, though. I mean, right now. So if gas comes down 20%, 10%, does that mean you're going to go in and assume that all your other expenses are coming down 10 or 20%? I would hope not. I don't See, think. It, it's it's two-way street. Right. You know, you want to say, yeah, leave the higher gas prices in on my overall, but if a gas goes down, don't reduce my other. You know, it, it, that's why, you know, you have to look at it. So, so if so, if, if for those who do more believe in core inflation as a long range predictor of, of how your plan's going to run. So what has that been doing? So let's look year over year. So then trend from November. 4.9%, December, 5.5%, January, 6% handle, February, 6.4%, March, 6.5%. Hmm, not so much a big increase from right. February to March. You know, from 64 to 6.5 compared to the year over headline. Year, right? well, I'm still doing year over right. year, but compared to the headline year over year where February was 79 and March was 85 
Right. Much bigger increase, right? Now, how about the monthly increases? Um, so for the core, now the core. So in November, it was 0.5%. In December, it was 0.6%. January, it remained at 0.6%. Hmm, did we peak? Then February, it was ticked back down to 0.5%. And this March latest number, 0.3%. Hmm. So, so now do we, are we seeing that, okay, with outside of the, of the, the food and energy, you know, are we peaking? So a lot of people think that we're peaking, um, mm. but it leads to the, what we're calling the Tina principle, mean, meaning there is no alternative because at, at an eight and, <laughs> at the headline number, which everybody talks about eight and a half percent, the federal reserve has got to raise interest rates, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they've, they've just got to. And it's going to be five, you know, you know, fifty basis points, point five percent in May, and probably it'll remain at fifty basis points for the next few after that. Um, so, but and and by because what they're going to do is they, they if they're going to try to you know get a handle on and stopping this inflation, but that the 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 harder they hit it, they put on the brakes the better chance they're going to miss a soft landing. And it's going to be a hard landing, meaning a U.S. recession. That's the alternative. Which would you rather have, embedded higher inflation ongoing or a U.S. recession? Flip a coin. Um, I don't know. You know. Now, not everyone believes that we're going to have a recession. I'm calling it the recession, right? You know, because you know, Biden's blaming the inflation on, on Putin. I don't know about that, but I'm blaming the recession on Putin. Uh, I mean, I think that the, this war in Ukraine is a, is a bigger threat to, to causing a U.S. recession than the idea that it's causing our inflation. I think there's a lot of other reasons for inflation as opposed to, um, but I do think that the war in Ukraine, if that drags on, I think that drags Europe down into a recession, which will come to U.S. shores. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then we had the inverted yield curve, and and that's a precursor. And so there's a lot of headwinds there. Um, but as I said, not everyone is calling. So let's so let's throw some good news out there. But who are the people that are saying there is no recession coming, Carrie? Right. Um. All right, I, there are some, believe it or not. Um, Morgan Stanley. Um, the White House. Uh, well, <laughs> well, yeah, obviously the White House, right? You know, okay, let's start with the White House. So, so oh, you the, did have it on there. I was like, of course they're going to say yeah. it's all fine and rosy. Okay, so the White House is saying the U.S. economy is strong enough to withstand that these headwinds. You know, the the Russian war, inflation, gas prices, supply chain problems, and the the risk, the on, ongoing risk of the Rona. Right. Um, and now the rising interest rates. So, yes, the White House, Janet Yellen, President Biden all say, you know, things are, are good there. Um, we, of course, we've been we've been quoting uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell's famous line. Right. That that makes it you know clear for everybody when he said the probability of a recession within the next year is not particularly elevated. Hmm. OK. Um, but how about our own Cleveland federal president? Uh, Federal Reserve Bank President Loretta Mester. Okay, she's a pretty smart girl, mm-hmm. um, woman. I, you know, can I say that or not? I don't, I don't know, Mark. I'm not offended. Well, she's a woman, but yeah, you can well, say. Well, I don't girl, know. I can't, woman. can't define a woman. Uh, can we define I, a person? Oh, geez, <laughs> you know. Okay. I don't care either. As Federal a woman. Reserve Bank President Loretta <laughs> Mester, right? All right. That's um. Uh, says she is confident that the U.S. will avoid a recession as the Fed tightens policy. Though the inflation rate will probably remain at more than 2% into next year. Well, I think that's a safe right. bet, right? Um, but the trajectory will be that will be moving down. That's what I was just going over. Right. Is, is, is the trajectory going down? That's what we're waiting to see, you know, you know. Um, and, you know, and now UBS, you've heard of them, right? They believe the U.S. can, you know, have a cooling off or a slowdown period without landing in a recession, all right. Um, DWS Investments, another big firm. Um, they don't see a true recession at this point. Again, they, they're calling it a soft patch landing. In other words, it's not exactly a, a complete soft landing. It's also not a hard landing. There's going to be, but, the, you know, and, and the idea that, yes, the, there could be a cooling off period. So maybe you see GDP 
flatten out to zero, maybe for one month or one quarter go negative, then the next month or next quarter it's zero or 1% positive in that range. Of course, the technical definition of a recession is two consecutive negative quarters of GDP, right? Um, but if it's down point, if it's just negative, that's not as bad as it was down like 3%, right? right? Or something like that. So they're thinking, and, and a lot of people are in that group. Um, State Street Global, another big firm. Uh, I'm, so I'm just going over the nays, Carrie. Right. These are the, so I'm giving you some good news. Not everybody thinks we're headed for a recession. And 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 uh, and State Street saying, yeah, no, no recession. Um, nominal GDP is still great. Um, they're going to start watching corporate earnings. So so also, Carrie, we had the you know the the earnings season opened up this okay. morning. Okay. Okay. Um, now I don't have a lot because again we're taping this show on Wednesday. But, uh, you know, the big bad banks go first, right? So we'll okay. talk about that here in a minute. Um, but back to State Street Global saying, yeah, let's watch. And they're going to be watching bottom line. In other words, you know, your top line. Well, no, actually, they're, gonna, they're, they're saying they're more concerned with the top line right now. In other words, there are a lot of people saying that those are the two top line. But in other words, when we look at their corporate earnings, we look at earnings per share, right? That's the mm-hmm. profit. But we also look at gross revenues, right? Right. So revenues is the top line, right? In other words, are they still selling their product? <laughs> you know, right. is consumer demand still there? And can they pass these higher supply costs onto their consumers, right? Um, because we got PPI readings, which were terrible, right? Um, you, you know, the PPI came in a year over year, 11.2%. Ouch. You know, 1.4% for the month. That, that's like with the highest. Effort, right. right. So, so, you know, but can't, you know, but as a consumer still going to buy that. So, so look at maybe you look at top line um, corporate earnings as opposed to bottom line. Maybe their profits aren't as much because of the higher costs, but but are they still selling their product? In other words, are they still going to hire people because they still have demand for their product, right? Um, now, um, all right, and and so um, that's what you know. State Street's saying you know they're going to look to see can, can the corporations pass along the higher costs to the customers. Um, or can they, you know, fool around with the shrinkflation, Carrie? Right. right. That's, you know what that is, right? No, I haven't heard that. Term. Shrinkflation is when they they do the package. The package is the same size, but the net contents are lower. Oh well, yeah, okay. You know, they do that. You know, have you noticed that, Carrie, at the grocery store? Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Where they keep it the same price and then make it a smaller. Yes. Yeah. It's called shrinkflation. Yeah, I didn't know that term, but I've known that. Okay. Um, you know, and the other thing too, as they said, while you know what, what started happening in the Rona shutdown, when everybody was and people working from home, companies got more productive. They sunk mm. some money in productivity, right? Robots and anyone mm-hmm. ever those before, and so they're saying that could help you know keep the economy going. Um, Raymond James, no recession. Um, T. Rowe Price. They're less convinced that a recession is coming, arguing pent-up demand and the restoration, albeit slowly, of the global supply chains will help buoy the economy as pandemic restrictions ease. So, so there you go. Not everybody is calling for a recession. Um, just a, one follow-up from last week. You know what? We talked about last week how President Biden, again, kicked the can down the road on the mm. student loans, right? Right. Till August, didn't you say? Yeah, end of August, and it's right now we'll see what happens. But but they maybe all our maybe all our economic problems will be done by August. You think? Yeah, um, they'll so, be done by the November election, right? Right. So now it is a huge so so student loan debt in the U.S. It's about one point seven trillion right now. Right. Um, and, but but I'm going to say something before you get started. Nobody mandated people to go to college. It was your choice. Everyone told us we had to go to college, Carrie. Right, but it's still so your choice. It, w- it was you know, mandated. It wasn't mandated. Corporations but, said we're not going to hire you unless you have a bachelor's degree. Right, but also you think about people, what degree you get sure matters. I'm yeah. sure in that thing there are a lot of people that have degrees that aren't employable. Oh, you think? I would say quite a few. Uh, how many in this $1.749 trillion didn't even get a degree? I'd say 30%. Okay. Um, 43.3 million borrowers have federal student loan debt. Average federal student loan debt balance is about 37000 Average public university student borrows about $30,000 to attain a bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, 
Now, so so they asked. Um, so so well, so. Anyways, last week I what I was trying to say. Remember what? I, oh, I was I was saying up. You know, although President Biden apparently through executive orders can kick the can down the road on on putting the extension on the student loan debt repayments, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if the president on his own can cancel student loan debt. I don't think he can. Um, Who's going to pay for that? Somebody going to write, or the government well, going to write I'm just checks? saying legally, can he do it through executive I don't executive think order? so. No, and I, I think uh, Jen Saski agrees with you, Carrie. Because she, you know, who she, you know, the the White House president, she came out this week because oh, they geez. asked her. They said, you know, okay, what about? Yeah, we we all know he extended it through August thirty first, but what about the cancellation? Remember, he made that a campaign promise that he was, you know, going to cut out ten thousand dollars of student loan debt for everybody. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talk about that. Um, so they asked. Uh, Jen during the week and uh, he and she responded well he has not ruled out he has not ruled out but I don't have any update on that <laughs> she's going to circle back to us on that right I'm sure she um, will uh, and I would note that again he would encourage Congress to send him a bill canceling $10,000 in student debt okay so then it's which it's, a, it's not his choice I mean, no. it's Congress has to do it and guess what? They're not going to do it. That ain't happening. We have bigger um, issues. Um, all right. All right. <clears throat> Regardless of that, you know, if you're worried about how inflation is going to impact you or a recession or you're worried about or need help, don't know, timing of Social Security. Um, I wanted to mention it because I've had a few people recently say I'm going to take it at 62 because I don't believe that it'll be there. Um, we've talked on the show that social security is a much easier problem to be fixed. They can raise the cap as far as, um, wages that can be taxed. They can increase payroll. That's a fix. That's a much easier problem to solve. So don't just, just take an election at 62. You might be missing opportunities, especially, um, if you have longevity and longevity, you know, don't confuse quality with quantity, um, or pension election analysis. I mean, um, or what I can afford to spend or how much risk I should be taking on because I am worried about a potential recession or do I know my number and can I afford to do discretionary spending? Can I afford health care before 65? Whatever issues you face, what we do at the estate planning team is give you clarity and enough analysis so that you're comfortable making those financial decisions. And we've been doing that for more than 35 years. You can check out our ratings at the Better Business Bureau and on Google and Angie's List if you want to read about um, what people have said things uh, about our organization. And again, we've been around a long time. We're an Ohio registered fee-based fiduciary planner. We offer a free consultation for you to determine if um, our services are appropriate for you. And what we do is very different. You can call 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right, listen to Mark Donnelly, Kara Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over those decades, we've never seen an 8.5% handle on inflation or CPI. Um, so what will what is going to happen? Are, are, is the, can the Federal Reserve navigate a soft landing? Are they going to be successful? Or is it inevitable that we're headed to a U.S. recession with all the other headwinds that I think Jamie Dimon of JP Morgan summed up pretty succinctly, Carrie, in his so so we had the earnings season kicking off and JP Morgan always goes first. And but prior he he had he had sent out his annual letter at the beginning of April. You know, he's and and it it's always gives his economic outlook so to speak in his annual letter to shareholders um and to the world basically a lot of people listen to jp or jamie diamond of jp morgan um and what did he say at the time in his letter he 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 said that we are facing challenges at every turn um a pandemic you know a global pandemic unprecedented unprecedented government actions a strong recovery after a sharp and deep global recession, a highly polarized U.S. election, 
mounting inflation, a war in Ukraine, and dramatic economic sanctions against Russia. Mm-hmm. And based on all that, he was kind of saying, I don't know if we're going to have a very good year. So they reported their results. And how did they come out? Well, if you want to look at the bottom line, you know, the EPS, okay, so the street was looking for $2.69, okay? It came in at two sixty-three. Okay. Slight miss, okay? Um, but remember what the some people are saying, yeah, but let's keep an eye on the top line, you know, right. revenues. So revenues came in at $31.59 billion, beating estimates of 30.86. Okay, so if you're watching that, that's good news. But how did the market react to that? Really? Shares were down 3.4% in pre-market trading. So revenue is up, but... but, hmm. The negative outlook, Gary, right? Um, So what did Diamond also say in in today's release? He said, you know, we build up credit reserves because higher probabilities of downside risk in the U.S. economy, specifically from the impact of high inflation and the Ukraine conflict. So that, to me, says he's worried about a recession uh, and that that is good. It's what's going to hurt, you know, corporate earnings going forward. So if you are concerned and we'll keep an eye on the the earnings as, as we as we go through the next few weeks. Um, but so so what are three things that you can do? Three simple steps. We keep reminding people easy to remember, you know, but remembering them isn't the key. It's implementing them. Right. That's the key. Right. And if that's if you, so I, I feel like I'm going over this time and time again, but I've only been going over these three simple steps for decades mm-hmm. because they never change. Right. All right, because there's always going to be the next recession. There's always going to be the next stock market crash because that's what stock markets do. They go up, they mm-hmm. go down. All right, um, that's what economies do. They go through cycles. And the Federal Reserve, hope you know, is it different this time? I don't know. Well, time, we hear that all the time. Yeah, it was different every time. Right. So, what are the three simple steps to remember if you need help implementing it? Please come in and see us because we've been helping clients implement these three mm-hmm. simple steps forever, for decades. Okay, one, maintain an adequate cash reserve. Okay, uh, and and if you want to listen to our last week's podcast show, we went over that in detail. Right, two, rebalance periodically. You know, don't take on more risk than what you need to be okay. Mm-hmm. That's the idea that one of the benefits of running a detailed financial model based on your expenses, not your neighbors, you know, based on your goals, not your parents, based on your objectives, not your coworkers, right? It's based on what you want to get done and it, you're taking in and running a projection that's leaving you in a decision-making mode. But the idea, one of the advantages of getting that detailed financial plan is that it, it tells you what rate of return you need from your investments to make your plan work. And that's a, that's a, that's a great help when you have that empirical data other than just a touchy-feely risk toler- tolerance test. Right. It says, how would you feel, Mrs. Smith, if there was a 50% decline in the stock market? I wouldn't feel very good about it, thank you. <laughs> um, now, um, and then the third simple step to remember is build your plan R. In this case, the R could stand for the recession plan. Mm-hmm. And that's the idea of saying, well, let's run your plan A. And maybe you're in uh, Loretta Mester's camp saying no U.S. recession coming. Maybe have a slowdown a little bit. Maybe, you know, the stock market's volatile for a little bit. But, you know, we're going to get this inflation under control and we're going to do this with a soft landing. And, you know, 18, 24 months from now, everything is back to normal. Or, you, and that may be your plan A scenario. But just for fun, maybe you want to run a plan R scenario and saying, well, what if it doesn't go that way? What happens if we do have a stock market crash tied to a U.S. recession? Okay, what happens if this global conflict in Ukraine doesn't subside? And if, and if Europe goes into a deep recession, how are, are we going to be protected from that on our shores? Um, China, with all their problems with the lockdowns and the mm-hmm. Rona, you know, and the supply chain. And, and is that not going to affect us? Uh, really? Um, all right. 
So you could build your plan R, and that's where you would say, um, I'm going to actually model in an economic downturn, right? Now, if you're doing this down and dirty, you could also just, you know, go back to your 4% rule, right? Which, and, and you know, I, I, we talk about the 4% rule all the time. You know, that's Bill Benjamin's 4% rule that, you know, he published back in 1994 or whatever. It's a long, long time ago. And, but the idea is uh, there's a lot of people saying, oh, it's broken now or, you know, but it's, it doesn't work. Yeah. Or it's it, no math is math. Um, it's not that it doesn't work, but yeah, you may have to modify it for current circumstances. Now, usually the modification is in the, maybe the length of time that you're running. Benjamin was using 30 years. Maybe okay. you need to use 25, 28. Maybe you need to use 35. Right. Um, depending on what you think your retirement time frame is. Also, the, the uh, a lot of times people go ahead and modify the rate of return that Benjamin used. He used 5%. So a lot of people are saying, well, maybe that's too rosy. I want to use 4%. Now, other people may be saying, hey, my investment guys tell me 6%, no problem. Um, you know, looking at the 60-40 portfolio over the last 15 years, Carrie, that would mm-hmm. include the 2008 Great Recession, okay, the 60-40 portfolio made up of the S&P 500 and Barclays U.S. Aggregate Bond Index annualized over 15 years 7.63%. And that includes the Great Recession, right? So a lot of people say, yeah, I mean, I still think so. But again, this is what you, maybe you want to run it all three ways. Right. What 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 would the four percent rule look like if I used a rate of return of four percent, five percent, or six percent? Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to run eight other assumptions too. Why not? See, when Benjamin was doing this in 1994, it was really before we had the financial modeling robots that we have today. So he was trying to come up with a quick and dirty way, down and dirty way that right. you could do this using a calculator. Right. Um, today we don't need to, you know, do that. We can, we can just tell the robot, let's run it five different ways. Give me, you know, and, and, and see the range. All right. So, but uh, what, what, what we're now doing with the 4% rule is modifying what inflation or put it in terms of spending, what cost of living increases did Benjamin build in to his 4% rule? And he used about three and a half percent. Meaning that, you know, in the in the simple example of a million dollars, you take out 4% the first year, that's $40,000. But then in year two, you don't take out 4% of your beginning balance in year two. No, that's not how he did it. In year two, you take out 3.5% more than you did in year one. Okay, so you're taking out, you know, 40, you know, 2,000, whatever, you know. And then in year three, you're taking out 3.5% more than you did in year two. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps your lifestyle going in retirement. Um, so so that's the idea that you're saying, okay, if, if you want to modify that, in other words, and, and so let's say, Carrie, you want to go to your worst case scenario. Right. Which is saying that, Mark, I think that we're going to have embedded higher inflation for a number of years, not forever, but for a number of years. And I think we're going to have a U.S. recession now. All right. Um, All right. Well, let's go back in and let's modify Benjamin's 4% rule based on those changes. So inflation, instead of assuming 3.5% every year ongoing for the 30 years, let's use 7% inflation for the first five. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then let's assume after the five years of 7% inflation annualized a- annually, then we revert back, but not all the way down to the Fed's target of 2%, maybe back to Benjamin's 3.5%. Mm-hmm. So 7% inflation for the first five years, 3.5% inflation ongoing. And also, let's model in an economic downturn, meaning in year one, so let's take you take your 60-40 portfolio, thinking that that could get 5% in Benjamin's, you know, 5%. Maybe you're good with the 5%. But let's say there's a 25% decline with this economic downturn. Okay, Remember, in the Great Recession, it was a 50% decline. 
in the Rona recession, it was about a 35% decline. Okay. Um, but let's say it's not that deep. Let's say it's a little bit of a, uh, not as that bad. So 25%. Well, if you've got 60% of your growth in that market, in right. that, you know, so you're, you eat 60% of the 25% loss. So you'd be down, let's say 15% in year one. And then in year two, so you don't book 5% gain in year one, you book a 15% loss in year one. Okay, then in year two, let's assume zero gain that we're, you know, we're getting through the recession. And then in year three, we're not quite back normally, but let's say we get two and a half percent gain. And then by year four, we're through this recession, we're back to our 5% gain ongoing. Now, what does that do? Can you do that math in your hair? Ahead, Carrie. You know, I cannot. You know, and, and and that's why we use the robots. So in that scenario, your four percent rule becomes two point seven percent. Okay, meaning that in year one, if you were trying to you know rerun that, you couldn't assume if you had a million dollars in your nest egg, you couldn't take out forty thousand dollars and then add three and a half percent inflation in that forever. No, in year one, you'd have to knock that down to twenty seven thousand. Now, then you're increasing that quicker because of the 7% inflation, but that, you know, so that's kind of the idea. So now that you can look at, you know, does that, is that enough of a, you know, can I live with that? If I was expecting a $40,000 to spend or pull out of my investments, in my first year in retirement, am I still going to be okay at 27000 Hmm. Some will, some won't, but at least now we're getting into decision-making mode. All right. Regardless, if you need help with these issues or just want to see how we might be able to help you or what value we could bring to you or just want to learn more or have questions, you can call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or leave, and leave a message. We will call you back on Monday morning or you can visit our website and um, any email from the website, which there is a consultation and there's some specials if you come in during a certain time frame and decide to use our services, even on an hourly or a retainer basis. That's financialfoodforthought.com. If you do send an email, you will get a reply. If not, we didn't get it. Um, I personally respond to all the emails from the website. That's financialfoodforthought.com or 440-239-2090. All right, so Kara, we're also talking about the housing market, right? Because we're getting into the house buying and selling season, right? Prime season. Um, and I think for a lot of reasons, we're watching the housing season this year, particularly to see, is that going to be the tipping point to whether the U.S. goes into a recession or not? All right, and there's been a lot of headline shock line risk i call it right that that is saying you know home prices suggest housing bubble brewing in the u.s and we all know what happened in 2008 with the housing bubble right um four signs that the housing market crash is coming um how does the housing bubble affect the economy housing prices are still surging but a bubble doesn't seem likely so Mm -hmm. back and forth pending home sales sink in february setting a grim tone as housing market enters key spring season um Larry Summers, housing inflation could hit 7% this year. I also want to know how the mortgage rates, because they've gone up quite a mortgage bit. Mortgage Carrie, you're reading my shock oh, line sorry. risk. Mortgage rates zoom past 4.5%. Here's what home buyers need to know. Um, with housing affordability in doubt, home builders are taking a beating. So we're going to be watching how the home builders do this season, this earning season. Okay. Um, is the real estate bubble growing in the U.S.? Will the middle class survive a nationwide housing shortage? The economic shock hitting the housing market is starting to do some damage. Housing keeps getting more expensive. Is there any relief in sight? I could go on and on and on. Right. You get the picture. Right. I was just thinking from when I saw what the 30-year mortgage rates are compared to a year ago. Right. So we think (sighs) that experts believe that the demand destruction is a 5% 30-year mortgage rate. Okay. Meaning... Until we and we're there basically. Right. I don't know if we're, we're here in this town. Four and a half, right? About. I think but, I saw. Um, I think it's crept up. So you know, a lot of people are thinking that that will cool off the housing market. Oh yeah. Um, you know, a five percent thirty-year mortgage rate. Although, Mark, um, when I first bought my first home, eight percent was a bargain. <laughs> like. <laughs> If that's Chug Reddick, Carrie, I'm not here. Tell okay. him my, my extension is going to be filed soon. 
Um, we got till Monday. The um, now the so, but it, you may be in the buying market, you know, especially first home. If if you're thinking about buying your first home, now I know not all the millennials listen right. to this thing, but if you've got if you're listening and you've got a child who's perhaps looking, you know, to to buy their first home, that's who it hurts, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're already in your 30-year mortgage that you got a few years ago, you're you're happy as can be. Right. Because you know you don't have to book any inflation on your mortgage. Costs. Right. It's a fixed. All right. Um, if, you know, and if you own a home that there is no mortgage on, you're not worried. But if you are thinking about maybe upgrading, you know, or, or downgrading, but upricing, you know, in other words, the idea well, yeah, that downsizing and downpricing don't always go hand yeah, in hand. Maybe you're saying that, or just or maybe a washing is saying you're going to get out because you've seen your home value go up. Right. And maybe you're in retirement, late in retirement, and you want to get out of this town and, and, and become, you know, mm-hmm. a snowbird and, and, and live in Florida mm-hmm. and buy the place in Florida. You want to sell your bigger place up here cash in the gains while the market's hot right and then buy in florida well yeah if it's an upgrade you may still be looking at a mortgage in florida right so well so you know it gets into that idea of well what is a safe you know how much of your income before you start saying "Uh oh you're getting too much of a home right um and this gets into, and, and again, that that analysis that we we help a lot of clients with this. It, it, it's it's not looking at income; it's looking at your cash reserve. It's looking at your debt, and, and, and you know things like that. Um, now, it's usually advised that you don't spend more than twenty eight percent of your gross monthly income on housing. Okay. But here's what the problem is. And that gets back, Carrie, to our 50, 30, 20, right? Which is, you, you, I've got right. to talk about the 50, 30, oh, 20, yeah. right? So the 50, 30, 20 is a rule uh, that says that a, a good financial general rule of thumb, if you want to make sure you can retire and have a nice retirement, if you can get to where in, right when you begin your working career that you spend you know 50% of your earnings on your necessities, housing, um, food, uh, uh, you know, co- uh, automobile, stuff like that. Then 30% of your gross income on discretionary, that's your entertainment and travel. Mm-hmm. And then 20% you save. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the 50, 30, 20 rule. If you can do that, I can only guarantee you one thing. You'll have a great retirement. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it doesn't matter if your starting salary is 50,000 or a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. The idea of that rule is that if you can live under those restrictions, you're saving 20% of what you're earning. And the math works. Right. The problem right now is that the data, you know, is telling us that right now with these housing price increases and the, everything, all the problems, that it would take about 29% right now to get a, a medium home price in this country. We'll talk more about this. All right. Call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.